0: Do you have this need to promote your image externally, to speak, to get the word out, to to show that you are wise? Are you prone to anger? Do you get upset easily? Have you made up your mind and therefore you don't need to listen to the other side? Does human anger bring about real justice? Is that
1: the fruit God desires? Welcome to the ACC podcast. We're honored that you took some time out of your day to listen to one of our weekly messages. We hope that these messages bring you closer to Jesus, strengthen your faith, and deepen your understanding about the Bible. If you're thinking of attending ACC, we're currently holding one service at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. You can visit our website for more information. That's anacorteschristian.church. That's A-N-A-C-O-R-T-E-S christian.church. You can also visit our website if you have any questions about ACC, like our core beliefs, where we are located, or if you'd like to get in contact with us. We would love to hear from you. So whether you're sitting, driving, or exercising, thanks for tuning in. Let's dive into the Bible together.
0: Yeah, so we're in the book of James right now, and uh, we're in chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 19 through 27, but rather than myself reading it, we have a video, uh, because early on when we started off, there was a challenge throughout the summer to memorize a chapter of the book of James. And Mark compiled a video of, uh, on the 19th of September, we did a little scriptorium where we all kind of took turns reading the parts that we had Uh, Memorize, And so here is a little mix of that for this section that we're talking about today.
2: Know this, my beloved brothers.
0: Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak,
1: and slow to become angry.
2: For For man's man's anger does does not not bring about the righteous life that God desires.
1: Therefore, get rid of all moral filth
2: and all rampant wickedness.
1: And humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you.
2: Do Do not merely listen to Uh, to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. If anyone is a hearer and not a doer, that person is like one who looks intently at his natural face in the mirror. And after looking away, immediately Uh, forgets forgets what what he looks like. like.
1: But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he'll be blessed in what he does.
2: If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, and deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless.
1: Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and follows is this
2: to visit the orphans and the widows in their afflictions
1: and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world
2: and to keep oneself unstained from the world.
1: If that
0: was hard to follow, open a Bible. And we're going to be going through it bit by bit here in James chapter 1, verse 19 through 27. Um, But thank you all for those of you who participated and took on the challenge to do that. I found that to be personally very valuable myself. About seven years ago, we planted an apple tree out in front of our house. When it produces, it yields some delicious Honeycrisp apples and they're good. However, this year I think we only got mm, three and they were pretty sad. The most we've ever picked was probably around 15, I don't know. We had one pretty good year. Why? At the time of the planting, we had no idea how hard it would be to keep this tree alive and healthy. First, of course, were the deer, which nearly decimated the tree. So I responded by putting a fence, a wire fence, around the tree. Even so, one morning, Even actually, I think last year, I looked out the window to see a huge deer had dug under the fence and belly crawled underneath and was happily laying on the ground, finishing munching on about half the tree that it had devoured. Then came the aphids. There is a aphid infestation that usually tends to happen almost annually. I finally figured out what to do about that, found some stuff to spray on it all environmentally friendly, of course. And, uh, but you know, by that point, it caused some damage and a lot of the leaves kind of withered up and everything. Now, a couple years ago, all of a sudden, a whole patch of raspberries just popped out of the ground inside the fence under the tree. We thought that was pretty cool. So we had raspberries and an apple tree, but of course the raspberries, they use nutrients in the soil and so does the tree. So the tree probably didn't do very well with that, but we liked the raspberries and eventually we, this year we pulled out the raspberries and transplanted them. But by that point, guess what? We had strawberries. I don't know where they came from, the raspberries or the strawberries, like birds dropping it, you know, the seeds and whatnot. So now we had strawberries under the tree we didn't, I mean, there was a lot of strawberries, so we didn't want to bother with it. We didn't pull them out. Um, You know, we left them there, and there were some good strawberries, so we enjoyed that. Check it out. We've got an apple tree, strawberries, raspberries. This is pretty cool. Right now, there's three or four pumpkins growing in the strawberry patch under the apple tree. I have no idea where the pumpkins came from. Uh, Probably, you know, fertilized you know, compost soil with an old pumpkin or something like that, I don't know. But this tree is not very happy. And uh, the solution is probably fairly clear. At some point we need to make a firm decision about what kind of fruit we want to grow in this patch of ground and stick with it. Removing everything else and doing our best to cultivate it. Now, the reason that I share that little story with you today is that hopefully it's going to help us to form a picture of what uh, is going on in this part of James chapter 1 because it is, man, James, um, if you ever read it, it's easy to get lost because it feels like he just sort of jumps all of a sudden from one topic to the next. And what is he talking about? How do you, how do you keep these things together and are they cohesive? And my hunch is that there's a few things going on. I think he has some design set up. In fact, there's a good amount of evidence that chapter 1 is structured after the first seven days of Genesis 1, but that's a whole other thing to talk about. Uh, But I also think that there are figures of speech and word phrases and ideas that in the original languages had connotations that we don't really carry well into the English language, and so it's a little harder to track with where they're going so much unless you have that cipher of, of just how they would think. So... Having that picture in mind, I want to jump back to last week real quick because what we saw last week was sort of a contrast where you have basically like two birth trajectories. Do you remember this? You have our desire versus God's choosing, God's desire, His will. You have our desires through deception yielding something, giving birth to something, right? Ultimately giving birth to death. Versus God's desire, which is to give us birth, new birth, and opposite of deception through the word of truth, so that we would become a kind of first fruits of all his creation. What's a first fruits? A first fruits is, it's usually the first part of a crop. It's usually the best part, the cream of the crop, you know, and it's usually offered up to God as an offering. So there's kind of two seeds here. Deception, which plays into our desires and yields death, or the word of truth, which when planted into us does something new, creates a new kind of creation that God is looking at, that the intention, the goal is that we would be a kind of a new plant, if you will, a first fruits of his new creation. So what was that deception last week? That was the focus of our topic. The big lie that you can't trust God or that he doesn't love you enough. And so therefore, you're on your own and you've got to take into your own hands the fulfillment of all your desires and longings and that will bring you life. That will bring you happiness at whatever cost. Uh, Versus trusting God that he does care for our needs, that he will provide, and that we can choose to lay it all down and surrender that to him and choose his way. So that deception being one, that God can't be trusted or he doesn't love me, and two, that uh, fulfilling, living for my desires will bring me happiness and and fulfillment in life. So this week, I want to talk about the fruit. How do you know which path you're on. How, what does your life look like? And, and what does it say about the seed that is planted? What, what seed are we growing? Okay. What are the indicators? So it starts off with verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness of God or the righteousness God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that so prevalently, that is so prevalent and humbly or with meekness accept the word that is planted in you which can save you, which has the power to save. So, good example of one of those passages that like, I think I know what he's saying, but logically, you know, in English it's a strange little flow, right? Um, So a couple of observations. I just want to make a point of what James says here. It is the word that is planted in you that saves you. The word of truth, he called it, spoken of as a seed that is planted within us. As Ephesians 1 put it, that word of truth is the gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ, who is the true king. James is not preaching salvation by works, okay, in the sense of earning God's grace or salvation. Remember, it is by God's choice that he gives us birth through the word of truth planted in us that we might become a kind of firstfruits. None of that is describing anything that we do to earn something. It's all talking about what God does in us. Romans 1 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. However, if receiving this gift of the gospel is like a seed being planted, is it not intended to, I don't know, become something like fruit? Is a seed not meant to grow? Is there not a certain kind of plant that God intends for it to produce? And so, especially in James chapter 2, we're not there yet. James is going to challenge us and basically say, What if I put your faith on trial? Would it be justified? What is the goal then? What is the fruit? It's the second observation here. What is the seed meant to produce? Well, I think one hint is where he says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. To have, what is righteousness? What does that mean? Righteousness is to have right relationship with God and with one another and with the world, okay? To have things be in the right. Or another word for righteousness can also be connected with the idea of justice. And that might be helpful as we read through this Because if he says human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires, well, you might go like, well, who in their right mind would ever think that anger would produce righteousness? Like if we're talking about like moral goodness, right? Well, well, duh, you know. Um, However, if we're talking about justice or setting things right, right relationship, um, isn't anger often a reaction to injustice? whether perceived or real? Do we not get angry as a means to set things right, to fix things, righteousness, right? And so there's two different ways of reaching towards this fruit, this intended goal of of rightness, right standing, justice. And one does not produce the fruit that God desires. The other will. The sign that someone has been planted with the seed of deception is that they lack the wisdom in this area to know the difference. And so that's why he says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Now, on its face, that's really great advice all by itself. Um, if, if, If we just focus on that, hey, in general, just don't talk as much, listen more, and and try not to get angry as much like man that would go a long way wouldn't it but this is a quotation from several proverbs psalms and jewish intertestamental wisdom literature that was really well known proverb 17:28 even a fool is thought to be wise if he keeps silent the discerning if he holds his tongue or verse 27 A man of knowledge uses words with restraint, and a man of understanding is even-tempered. The quick-tempered person, this proverb suggests, is the person who is likely to speak without careful consideration. Uncontrolled anger leads to uncontrolled speech. How often do we find ourselves regretting words spoken in the heat of the moment? And so it seems like what James is talking about is a contrast between wisdom and not having wisdom, being deceived by deception or being planted with the word of truth. Wisdom says show restraint, think a little bit. Um, You know, the other is to act quickly and to speak quickly. Aristotle um, said that this word for anger in the Greek is... A combination of desire with grief. And so that kind of sheds a little bit of light on this too because what do we talk about in the previous part of the chapter? We are tempted when our, by our own desires, our inordinate desires, and when those desires have been conceived, they give birth to sin or anger, right? And when sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So in this sense, anger being a combination of grief and desire. Basically, it's what happens when we are living with unmet desire, unfulfilled desires, right? We're on that path of not having those things fulfilled and the question of whether I'm going to trust God with that or take it into my own hands and achieve it for myself. Those are, I think, the pictures that are being painted here. And so he says that kind of anger, not to mention moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, cannot produce the kind of justice or right relationships that God desires. Now, there is such a thing as righteous anger, and often we see Jesus even displayed that. But today, so much of what we see all around us is just the opposite, right? Be quick to speak, quick to anger, and slow to listen, Outbursts get airtime, right? I mean, I'm not on Twitter, but all I ever hear about from Twitter is like, it's just anger, right? So much of what you see in the news media or social media, and maybe just even in our culture, would you agree with me? Like there is a lot of anger today in our world, right? How about you? like? Do you feel anger? Like, like are you feeling angry at things right now? And so we have this contrast. And this was interesting to kind of pick up on because everyone, when when we all have something to say and a platform on which to say it, hastily promoting ourselves with our own self-proclaimed wisdom. Suddenly all that wisdom kinda gets watered down, doesn't it? It doesn't produce the righteousness or the rightness or the fixing of the relationship that that we desire and God desires, instead it tramples people down until the louder and the stronger voices emerge on top regardless of whatever wisdom is being promoted. By contrast, you have our speech versus God's word right? Which one leads to righteousness? Our speech hastily given in arrogance without listening, quickening our anger doesn't produce God's righteousness. Whereas his word implanted in us, accepted quietly and humbly with meekness has the power to save. And there's the contrast. One looks very external and loud and riled up. The other is quiet receiving, listening, and in there, there is the true power. What kind of seed is growing in your soil? Do you have this need to promote your image externally, to speak, to get the word out, to, to show that you are wise? Are you prone to anger? Do you get upset easily? Have you made up your mind and therefore you don't need to listen to the other side? Does human anger bring about real justice? Is that the fruit God desires? Or is it perhaps maybe time to clear this field? To put away moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent like our tree. You know, what is actually supposed to be growing here? An apple tree? Okay, it's time to clear everything else out and humbly accept what has been planted. So be quick to listen and receive the saving word that has been planted, but don't only listen. And that's where he goes left. Next, he says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Huh? (laughs) That's an interesting analogy, right? I mean, who does that? Um, Now, this is where, again, the Greek words painted out a little more clearly in light of this analogy. What he says, the Greek is more like, do not be a hearer only, but rather become a doer. And that word for become, it has the idea of birth. At the root of it is the idea of being born. And, and so it's not just like put into practice what it says, it's like the seed should come out of the ground. You know, the seed needs, excuse me, the plant that the seed produces needs to come forth, okay? It needs to become something. So don't just plant a seed and let the seed just stay a seed. That seed needs to become something. There's an intended goal. It's a plant, right? And that plant is supposed to produce something, become a doer. And even that word doer has a meaning. It it carries the idea of being someone who creates things, someone who builds things, someone who um, puts things into practice, produces. Okay, so so this seed is meant to reproduce. It is a plant that is meant to grow and reproduce the seed that has been planted in the soil itself. Right, it's meant to bear fruit and reproduce what it has been given. Become, be birthed as a doer, a producer. And so this is where it gets kind of interesting, this picture of a mirror. And I'll paraphrase it this way. Anyone who is a hearer only and not a doer is like a man contemplating, and literally what it says is, the face of his genesis. That's interesting, huh? Uh, What? (laughs) You know, in the mirror. Okay? A, a man who is contemplating the face of his genesis in the mirror and after looking at himself immediately forgets what kind he is. So what does that mean? I realize there's a lot of like getting into the weeds here a little bit, but bear with me. Okay. The face of his genesis or origin. Some translators say the face of his existence or his natural face, but others say it's the face of his origin, like Genesis means beginning, right? Um, Or it's from the word from which we get the word like genealogy. So the picture that I get is that James is trying to talk about looking in the mirror and contemplating what is the root of myself? What is my legacy, right? What is the seed that I am identified with? What is the core of my identity as a human being? What gave rise to me as I am today? Who am I really, right? What is my genealogy? What is my family? What defines it? What are the traits? What are the characteristics? What kind of fruit is this? And to think about that and then turn around and immediately forget what kind he is. Oh, there's strawberries, raspberries, pumpkins, apples. Um, Who am I? What is this meant to be? But he goes on. Whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues it, not becoming a forgetful hearer, but a doer, producer, worker, they will be blessed in all their work. What is that seed that I'm supposed to see? And there, So here is a parallel statement looking into now that mirror, seeing the perfect law that gives freedom. If that parallel is intentional, then looking into intently at the face of my origin, the face of my genesis, is to look intently at the perfect law that gives freedom as a seed that has been planted within me. The word of truth that has been planted in me. The word of the gospel of my salvation. The gospel of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Does that mean that at the core of each of our lives, there ought to be a rule book, right? We hear the word law. What do we think? The perfect law that gives freedom. Anyone who looks at his face in the mirror and and, and contemplates it and then turns around and, and quickly forgets what kind of a person they are is someone who is looking intently at the perfect law that gives freedom, So what is that? What is the law that gives freedom? Is it the Old Testament law, the Mosaic law? I thought we said we're not saved by works, you know, all those things. Well, the word, again, is the word teleos, law. Finished law. The same word that he used in chapter one when he said, through perseverance, we are being made whole and complete, finished. Or the word that Jesus used when he was on the cross and he said, It is finished. Maybe this is what he was talking about when he said, I haven't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it, to finish it. The perfect, finished, fulfilled law that gives freedom planted in each of us is a person. It is Jesus Christ himself. It is the gospel. He is the fulfilled law that gives freedom. He is the one who perfectly obeyed love God and love your neighbor as yourself. In giving his life as a sacrifice for all on the cross and then being raised from the dead and seated at the right hand of God as our true king. That Is what we should see when we look in the mirror. The finished work, the finished law, the fulfilled perfect law. Jeremiah 31 talked about this. He talked about how Israel was incapable of externally fulfilling the work, the law, producing the righteousness that God desires, the right relationship with the nation, with God, and with the rest of the world. But he said, there's coming a day, chapter 31, verse 33 says, when I will write my law on their hearts. Okay, I will put my law on their minds and write it on their hearts. It'll be a new covenant. I will be their God and they will be my people. And later he says, for I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5:17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. A seed has been planted. A new kind of being, of plant, is growing, right? The, the old is gone. The other stuff has been cleaned out of the garden patch. The new is here. This is the genesis of a new identity. The beginning of a new creation. Humanity. God's desire to give us birth through the word of truth is that when we let him plant this word in us, we become a new creation. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, this is what kind of fruit you are, the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the word, logos, message of reconciliation. The word of truth planted in you is now the word, the message of reconciliation through the gospel that is to be Projected from you. That is what produces the righteousness God desires. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness, the justice the making it right, the right relationship of God. As God's co-workers, be doers. Don't just listen. Hearers only. Be doers of the word. As co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. Don't be a hearer only don't come to church sunday after sunday and just go like more seed, more seed. I must be doing really good cuz I got lots of seed and never have it produce anything. Galatians 2:20 and 21, Paul writes, "I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That seed is planted, it's growing. There's a new kind of person here, a new kind of plant, fruit, tree, whatever you call it. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. So the picture. Looking into the mirror... Asking the question, who am I? What's my legacy? What's my genealogy? Who's my family? Who's my father? What kind of person? What kind of fruit am I? Am I a new creation? Is there evidence that the seed at the core of my life is birthing something new that looks like what I received if you have received that, if I look intently at the face of my Genesis, do I see Jesus, the perfect fulfillment of the law? Love God and love thy neighbor in the person of Jesus Christ. Is that the core of who I am? And in turning away, do I abide in it? Do I continue in that perfect law that gives freedom? Or do I quickly forget what kind I am? Instead, allowing the turmoil, the anger, the desires, the hasty speech, the moral filth and depravity that's all around us to orchestrate my behavior and my character and define me as an identity. So all of this can be quickly boiled down to a simple image. If you are in Christ, God has planted a seed in you. But, is anything growing? Has the seed become anything? Or do you just show up and only hear the word? James continues, Those who consider themselves devout, and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and their worship is in vain. Worship that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Now there's a lot to that, and we'll continue in that because that's where he's going to go next, is talking about showing partiality but he started with talking about the justice that God desires and he ended. He's, he's got three kinds of fruit that should be visible here. Three indicators in this passage. One controlling the tongue two, concern for the helpless and three, the putting off or avoiding the pollution of worldliness. You could say the evil in the world. Now, Again, this is something that he's like jumping from something to another thing and it's kind of like, where's the bridge? How do you make that connection? And I think that the connection goes something like this and I'll just do my best to explain it a bit. But when you receive the gospel, you receive two truths at the same time. One, I am a sinner and that means that I have no platform to stand on with my hasty speech and worldly wisdom to try to look down on anyone else and climb a ladder and achieve my desires at the expense of whoever might get in my way or try to oppose what i say i am no better than anyone else i'm a sinner at the same time the second truth is this god loves me more than i ever could have dared imagine in spite of my sin nate was talking about his father at his memorial yesterday john hansen's memorial and he said That there were times in his life where his faith sort of wandered into different directions and he looked into different things, but at the core was something that he always held certain and even just telling Nate, just saying, the idea that Jesus Christ suffered and died for me, which is something we say all the time in church. But John couldn't get through it without tears, just to even mention that, because it was so powerful for him. The idea that I am a sinner, and yet God loves me enough to come and suffer in my place and die for me, to pay the price, and say, the work is finished. Your sins are forgiven, and you're mine. That changes the way we think about other people. There is an internal-external thing going on, remember? Externally, there's hasty speech and, you know, wisdom and the tongue not being restrained and anger lashing out versus meekly, humbly receiving the word that can save us. And I think that one of the fruits is realizing that when you look upon people of lower status or the helpless in the world, people that you wouldn't normally associate with, perhaps there's this realization that I am no better or worse. Like you said earlier, people in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position, whereas the rich should take pride in their humiliation. So the word in Greek here, again, is is to consider, to look upon intently the orphans and the widows in their affliction. Right? Which, of course, implies actually doing something about that, helping with that in some way. But you don't get a lot of earthly rewards for thankless jobs like helping the helpless, You don't get a lot of accolades usually unless you're just trying to puff yourself up as you do it and Jesus spoke to that, right? This is one of those things that quietly bears fruit. And it's not a formula. It's not, hey, if you're not out in a soup kitchen every once a week or so on like that, you haven't reached your quota and so your worship is worthless. It's, I think differently about people I would have thought differently about before. I regard them differently. I treat them differently. I care for them differently because the seed that is planted in me that looked at a sinner like me and said, yes, your sin is worthy of death. But I'll take that death on myself so that you can live. If that is my seed, then I can reproduce that. And that is the righteousness God desires. So I've got an apple tree, strawberries, raspberries, pumpkins growing in one little seven by seven plot of dirt. Which seed is the true planted seed? It's nice to have a variety to consider multiple options. But the truth is, unless we purge that ground, nothing that is growing there can ever really be that good. It can never fully bear the fruit that it was made to because it's always in competition and being restrained by something else, vying for those nutrients, fulfilling those desires. Where are you? Is God asking you to purge anything today? Which seed is the right seed? Is it bearing fruit? Have you become a doer of the word? Evidenced by losing that need to speak or be right or being slow to anger and increasing regard for the helpless and those of lower status than yourself. Of course, there's a lot of other evidences and fruit that the Bible talks about, but this is just kind of where James is going with his particular audience. And so what do we do about this? Well, I would say go look in the mirror and look intently at the seed that has been planted if he planted a seed in you. The gospel of your salvation the word of truth that can save. Look intently at the fulfilled law that gives freedom, Jesus Christ, the hope of glory, who is living in there, and ask, is it still I who live or Christ who lives in me, in this body? Look intently. Consider your reflection, the face of your Genesis, your origin, study the cross, dig into Jesus, meditate on what God has done for you and let it take root and change your heart. I know that's what I need to do. And then start digging around in the soil and get rid of other stuff. So that seed can grow. I don't know. Take some time today, maybe tonight before you go to bed or when you get home from church, and maybe do a little journaling and just go, God, reveal to me the other stuff that is competing with you. And show me what I can do about that today. One step, one small step, one thing I can dig up so that this seed can grow. Let's pray. Father, last week we got to take our desires and surrender them to you. This week we're taking another step. We're asking you to reveal to us the evil, the moral filth, the stuff that is so prevalent in the world, and and we're asking you, Lord, where have we planted other seeds, other fruit that is, is... vying to have their desires met, sucking nutrients away from the word that you have planted. And God, help us to do the courageous thing and take a serious look in the mirror and ask, who am I? What's my legacy? What kind of seed was planted here? And does what's growing look like it? God, we want to reproduce what you've done in our hearts And we want it to come from the heart, not just some formula or rule keeping, God. We want it to come out of what we have seen when we look. And if there's anyone here who hasn't been set free by the gospel and received this word of truth that became flesh and dwelt among us and now can dwell in us and make us brand new, then I pray Lord that that person would receive you and take a step towards that today. This is a free gift that you offer. And I pray that your word would plant itself in them and begin to grow. And if God's doing something in your heart today, then we would love to help you in that process of fertilizing that soil and pulling weeds and and helping that process to come along but it is him, it is Jesus, it is the word itself planted that can save you. Not our works. So God help to clear this up in our our minds and make it clear, Lord, what you desire so that we can have a, a longing for that desire as well as a result of looking intently in the mirror the mirror of truth. It's in Jesus' name I pray.
1: Amen. Thanks again for joining us today. If you've accepted Christ or have questions about having a relationship with Jesus, we would love to hear from you. Call us at 360-293-3729 or visit our website anytime. Have a great week. And remember, you are loved by us, and by Jesus.